Welcome back to another episode of Titanic Minute, your daily podcast where we discuss the movie Titanic minute by minute. I'm your co-host Rob and joined as always by my good friends Joe and Duff. It's great to be here. Hey everyone. Uh, So uh, 192, minute 192. This is pretty exciting. We're going to continue having guests on. Today we have, I mean, Duff, I'm sure you'd agree with me, one of our most divisive guests. You love him or you hate him. We'd like to welcome our guest today. False. Meeks isn't here, guys, because welcome to Topless Titanic. Your minute-by-minute podcast of the movie Titanic. I'm your co-host, Caroline, and with me, I have fellow boss ladies, Claire and Megan. Hello. Hello. The last time we commandeered this podcast, we got such rave reviews that we were asked back, and the Midnight Boys shamelessly gave us this podcast to commandeer, so now here we are. People have been knocking down the doors for more topless Titanic. So you're welcome. I'm doing this podcast topless right now. I am not. (laughs) I'm in my pajamas as I have been for all previous recordings. (laughs) I'm sipping some white wine. Thank you, Tom, for inspiring me. Mine's rosé. I'm sipping beer. Mm. Mm. Well, we have another minute of credits. (laughs) That's pretty much all that's going on in this minute. Well, this was really lovely, guys. <laughs> um, we start with hair and makeup. Mm. And there's an old rose. There's someone for old rose specifically, isn't yes. there? Yes. Yeah. Which Can we talk about this? <clears throat> yes. Thank you. What <laughs> is wrong with these men hating <laughs> on an older woman? It's the most ageist man thing that they could do do you do you know what happens when you get older you get older you get older what happens and listen it happens to men too (laughs) it does i did think it was interesting that they had an entire special effect makeup person listed for old rose i mean it it makes sense uh the actress was already old but i mean i can see why they put additional hair and makeup on old rose i tried to find a picture it's I actually, I bet it's very complicated to do makeup on really old skin. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean this as a dig for old Rose because I think she's amazing. But that is probably like a niche Hollywood focus for for a makeup artist. For sure. Old people? Yeah. Like Benjamin Button? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love old Rose. I actually think like that broad knows what's up. And she... I think that yeah, the guys are, the guys are off base on. I don't know. I'm reading not her obsessed her with her, but I also like. I don't know if she should have gotten nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, that seems like a stretch. Yeah, she has like what ten minutes in a three hour plus movie, so it seems yeah. like a little much. Though I do yeah. think, and I think we'll go back to this later too. But 
I think she, her uh, story kind of like completes the Rose character arc mm-hmm. in a way that like we don't get with just Rose and yeah. or with just Kate Winslet. And I think that's like a really important part of that story arc. And it is a very, re- like the 1997 scenes are really overwrought and ridiculous mm-hmm. and Bill Paxton is overdone and <laughs> all of those characters are silly, but I also think that Old Rose provides this bookend to this female storyline that we actually get through the whole movie. Yeah, and there's not, like you were saying, Claire, there's no crazy disconnect between the Rose that we spend a lot of time with and Old Rose. Like, I, I believe it. Yeah. That, that I do too. Why do they not? Because they're men. Idiots. They're idiot men. Idiot men. There we go. Idiot men. Idiots. Um, then we get to choreographer slash etiquette coach, guys. And <laughs> I felt like this was a chance for us to test knowledge of etiquette and what oh, is no. appropriate and what is not. Ooh, but so you already I f- know I'm so good with my manners and never having a bad <laughs> filter. Yes, we are both the most feminine, particular people you mm. will ever meet. Mm-hmm. So brave, so brave. Some of these are easy, and some of them I chose because they are ridiculous. Um, okay. Wait, what did you look up? I just Googled etiquette quiz. Nice. Perfect. So you Perfect. Could Rob amount find. of research. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked at a couple, and then I copied and pasted onto a word doc mm-hmm. you went to journalism nope. school it's fine <laughs> <laughs> and look how far that got me i'm on a podcast in my friend's basement you're not <laughs> wrong <laughs> yes quiz us tell us i want to know okay, how bad i'm it. gonna suck at this okay i feel like i should get a pen or something does someone have a pen near them so we can keep score yeah i can tally okay nice. you tally claire all right guys I, I feel like we should have music, like Google Group Monday, but not. Mm. Add a quick quiz. Nope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> add a quiz. Add a quiz. Add a quiz. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Once you sit at a table, you should immediately place your napkin on your lap. True or false? False. True. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to go with false because Megan said it first. The answer is true. Mm, Don't leave the w- napkin on the table if you are seated. I'm I thought you had us- to wait until all the guests were seated. I'm giving know. us each points based on our answers to each question. Okay. Okay. I it's- have one point. Megan has zero points. <laughs> Continue. I'm not it's- competitive at all. It's okay <laughs> to stuff a napkin in your collar if you anticipate a messy meal. False. Yeah, false. Correct. Don't do it. Not even if you're having buttery lobster. (laughs) (laughs) Or crawfish. Oh, my God. Okay. It's okay to cross your legs under the dinner table. True or false? False. Hmm. True. It is false. Damn it. You're supposed to sit with your legs together and both feet on the floor. Oh, fine. Just balls out. Whatever. (laughs) Manspread your way through dinner. Mansplain. Stretching your arm across the table to get something you need is not okay, even if everyone is busy eating. True. 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 Correct. It's polite to ask, guys. Wait, what decade or era are these questions from? Um, I don't know. Like the now? internet. Well, I found <laughs> I, this is a, a hodgepodge. So okay. All right. Could be different. 
it's proper etiquette to pull out a, pull out a chair for someone before they sit down. True. True. The correct answer is false. What? Oh, my God. Although what? it seems like a polite thing to do, chair... Both women and men are perfectly capable of pulling out their dinner chair and sitting down. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> this is bonkers. But what if you, like, open a door for some? So should you not open doors for people? Because men and women are both capable of open opening doors. Don't. We're not going into this. This this becomes a menaced <laughs> argument, and I don't want to go into it. Okay. Okay. So get rough. Okay. Um. It's okay to bring your screaming child to a dinner party because, hey, kids will be kids. This sounds like a plant, and I'm going to say false. False. (laughs) Correct. Children should be seen, not heard, in a formal setting. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's ever had dinner with Rob's son knows that this is total BS. This is actually our call to Rob to tell him to not bring his child anywhere with him ever again when he's around us. Side note, we love Robson. Sam, we love you. Mm, I'll just be silent. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Molly. Oh, you should. Okay, next question. You should stop eating once everyone else stops eating. False. I really hope the answer is false. Man, I, I I think it's false, but I don't know. It is true. What? What? It's proper etiquette for everyone to eat and stop eating at pretty much the same time. Well, then I'm screwed because I feel like I eat slow. That's very dumb. Yeah. Mm. What if you have like a lot of buttered lobster left? <laughs> Ew. I know. I mean, not, no offense to the lobster, just the butter part. Yeah. Um, okay, it's okay to decline an invite that you previously accepted because something better came up. Ooh, that is a loaded, loaded <laughs> statement. As someone with deep social anxiety, I really hope that's true. I'm going to say that's false. Yeah. It is false. God damn it. No one likes a flake, but it's unspeakably rude to do this to a host after you've accepted an invite. I guess I get it like... If it's a larger event, like a wedding, and you, I mean, I don't See, know. See, I would go You're the not, other way. Yeah. I think larger events, it's fine. It's Intimate fine. Intimate events, it's not okay. That's So true. I would never decline a, like, close dinner party, but I would 100% not show up to, like, a party. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> I guess I just... Explains I a lot now. Don't uh-huh. care. Yep. <laughs> oh, I would just send my husband who will fall asleep immediately. <laughs> how to handle um sleeping husbands sleeping spouses you there's only a couple more you should stack your dishes and put them away to make it easier for the wait staff to pick up false True. i was gonna say megan you feel i feel like you jump right on this one false you should just let the wait staff do it yep that's exactly what the answer what's says what's the steerage is for mm-hmm. this is my this is my favorite question it's okay to talk about your salary or home value if the subject comes up at a dinner party. Now, False. wait a minute. We should all be talking more about money and how money is screwed up in the United States of America. <laughs> but Claire's right. False. <laughs> yeah, but that's money in general, not your money. <sighs> we should mm. all be talking about this more. We should equalize this because 
the, there's problems. Privilege. White people yeah. privilege. Yep. White yep. people privilege. Now's the part of the podcast where we'll each share our annual salary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on the steerage level, so that's for sure. <laughs> We've now jumped ahead to the part where we continue the quiz. <laughs> I'm marrying James Cameron next. <laughs> Woof. Okay, this is the last question. There's many more, but I Wait, just, can I, I pause for a quick uh, score yeah. check? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. We are tied at six points each. Mm. Mm. So oh God, this is like our tiebreaker. Yeah, then. we should have a tiebreaker. Okay. Um, well, there's some really funny ones that are obvious, but... All right. You should arrive within a half an hour of the stated time on the invite. True or false? True. False. True. What? Yes. What did Ugh. you think, Megan? An hour? Wait, say it again. 30 minutes before the stated time? Within stated on the invite. Oh, I heard it as before because I've had four okay, glasses well, of I wine. Feel like, so. I feel like let's redo. Thank you. Um, okay. I will scratch that point. From Speaking of white privilege, please redo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay to ask for a to-go box at a business meal. False. Correct. You're there for business, not to load up on midnight snacks for later, which I do not agree with. I mean, okay, I don't go on business dinners ever, but because <laughs> I'm steerage mean, level. You, yeah, I was going to say, you mean at the nonprofit you work at? <laughs> But if I did go on business dinners, depending on who I was with and I felt comfortable, I feel like it's rude to leave food there. Like, if you have a huge chunk of something, wouldn't you want to just take it with? You would. Um, Having spent too much time working in the catering business as an adult, um, because I hate myself, I will tell you that the amount of human slop that is left over at at meals is astounding. Oh, I know. So it it means nothing. Like, it's, it's truly, like shameful but uh it doesn't matter i know but uh. okay so who won uh tied still oh my god both equally great at formal dinner parties can i give it to claire just claire take it now you guys will know how to act in future dinner parties (laughs) don't forget to show up within a half an hour of the stated start time i am aggressively (laughs) prompt same I wonder if we want to transition to something. I think we like the three of us as the topless Titanic uh, titty crew have mm-hmm. been thinking about, which I've only kind of recently started thinking about. And I know Claire has been thinking about it, but kind of like, what is, what is the role of like James Cameron as potentially an accidental feminist? Or what do we think about this when we think about, is this movie, movie a feminist movie? And I'll be honest, like when I first saw this movie, as a 12 or 13 year old, like I wasn't super jazzed about it. I liked it for the history and the action, but like the romance aspect of it really soured my like relationship with this movie. And only mm-hmm. now as like an adult, I've been starting to think about like, what did this movie do like for women or for movies or nothing? Because like literally history repeats itself and we're back in like a cesspool of terribleness. But I wanted to pitch it to Claire because, like, yeah. I, I don't know if this is the time to talk about that, but, like, Claire, you loved this movie. How do you look at it now? I did love this movie, and I actually still do, and I think that is a testament to the movie that I got through 192 minutes of this podcast and still feel strongly about this movie. And I think the the James Cameron as an accidental feminist 
I would reframe in that he is, I don't think he's actually a feminist. I think he aggressively thinks he is a feminist Mm. and he writes decent female characters and this movie in particular has a strong female character with a very strong character arc but I think as a person James Cameron perhaps is not as much of a feminist as we might as he might want us to believe yeah Mm -hmm. I think that that is an interesting way to think about it because it's not, you know, like our Republican friends would like to think, like we can separate the author or writer and director from the context of whatever he or she is writing, which I don't necessarily like to do all the time, but I think Mm -hmm. it's actually the only way I can kind of think through some of these issues. Like, all right, James Cameron is maybe kind of a douchebag, but he wrote several movies, wrote, directed, produced several movies with really strong female characters in a genre that is action adventure. And that mm-hmm. in itself is like kind of a big deal. So I want to talk about that. Yeah. So are you guys, you guys are familiar with the Bechdel test? Yes. So you, well, we should, ref, let's just should we in review case. That? Yeah. Yes. So the Bechdel test is a test that you apply to movies, TV shows, whatever media uh, where you need to have at least two uh, female characters who have names in the film, who have a conversation with each other only and not a man, and that conversation has something to do with the plot or the area or some topic that does not have to do with a male character in the film. That was a great explanation, Claire. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, I read it off of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Good notes. Yep, they're great. So so I agree, Megan, that he has written good female characters. However, when I have gone through, so I went through and looked at Bechdel tests for James Cameron's like most well-known films. And so Terminator passes, but barely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terminator, uh, Sarah and Ginger have a conversation about a pet lizard. <laughs> which that technically stupid. qualifies but i would say is a bit thin on yeah. plot mm-hmm. development that's thin true lies uh jamie lee curtis's character and tia carrera's character uh go back and forth with some insults but again do not progress the plot forward in any meaningful mm-hmm. way that movie's got so many problems i mean <laughs> i like that movie but some ooh. very very <laughs> real problems in how it portrays women woof other than jamie lee curtis is so hot and that's so great, so but... beautiful which i think we get to later yep avatar fails just straight fails Guys, I've never seen that movie. Well, get ready for the Titanic <laughs> Minute podcast of Avatar, where you will probably have to write a sinking feeling. I'll probably have to write. No, I'm no, I'm I'm putting a stake in the ground. I don't want to write about cats having sex with their tails. <laughs> That's fair. I don't want to do it. I hate fair. cats. And <laughs> they suck. <laughs> they're terrible, especially and if blue they're ones. Blue, I don't care. Cats in general, bad. <laughs> Uh, so Avatar straight up fails. Aliens is the one exception mm-hmm. where I was going to say Aliens for sure. There right? is a like real meaningful relationship between uh, Ripley and Newt, and mm-hmm. that is like a very central part of the story and the characters and the plot. Does Terminator Even t- Two or no? Because she's always like with her no. son, right? Yeah, same. 
That's um, the lizard one, right? Titanic even only barely makes it because really the only time is where two female characters who are named have a conversation to each other about something other than a man is in the scene at the very beginning where the two, where the like group of uh, Rose's mom and her buddies or whatever are like hat squad. Slut sh- yeah. Hat squad <laughs> is like slut shaming Molly Brown. Mm-hmm. That's the closest. That's and so I, is again, there something I, with Trudy. I mean, it's like, Trudy, get us some tea, which feels, again, like a stretch. Oh, yeah. Tea, in Trudy. In terms of, like... Tea, Trudy. Like, right. Or was it when she... Is the scene when she um, helps her pick up... Oh, no, because Cla- Claire. Because Rose <laughs> talks about, oh, he's just having, like, a bad day when Cal goes... Mm-hmm. Right, so it's still about aggressive. Cal. After he has yeah. a violent episode. <laughs> right, an abusive relationship situation. <laughs> so, like, yes, oh, sorry, James Cameron has these very... <laughs> has like quote unquote strong female characters but when it comes down to it they're still like within the framework of the male gaze and the male Mm -hmm. story arc so they're barely it barely passes barely barely the only one that i think legitimately passes is aliens so let's talk about linda hamilton and let's talk about Wonder Woman. Megan, did you did you, did you come across research around James Cameron's perspectives on Wonder Woman? No, uh, and I haven't seen Wonder Woman because I gave up Ugh, watching movies, either. especially I movies that are from comic books. Because I'm like, well, this is a turd. I'm out. There's so, so I many of them. Exclusively watch movies based on comic books. <laughs> okay. Uh, despite never having read a comic book in my life. <laughs> you have to read Saga. Come on. You want a good female character? Oh, I have character? read Saga. I okay. have read Saga. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Shout out to I Saga. I almost feel like that's not a comic book. It's a graphic novel slash, like, perspective on the human condition. Oh, my God. But- Did you go to graduate school <laughs> at an Ivy League school? <laughs> you did. You went to University of Chicago, you prick. <laughs> Ivy League of the Midwest. <laughs> Anyway, so James Cameron, when Wonder Woman came out last year, 18 months ago, whatever it was, James Cameron came out and said that Wonder Woman was like a really thinly written female character. She wasn't a feminist, that that whole situation, the whole film was a like perspective of male Hollywood making a sex symbol out of a superhero. So, didn't he say it was like a step backwards? Or something. Yes, he said it was a step backwards. I agree. He was not the only one saying that. that. But I think the the case that I would make for Wonder Woman is that is twofold. One, it's a female director, and that in and of itself is an important step in Hollywood. So like male Hollywood creating this film feels like a misstep from his statement. Yep. And secondly. His point was that Wonder Woman is, like, too beautiful to be a feminist. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Correct. So that's the issue, is that he he states that, like, oh, well, Linda Hamilton in Terminator, or, yeah, in Terminator, is this, like, buff, troubled person, and, like, we weren't selling her, like, sex symbol through the movie, whereas in Wonder Woman we're selling her as a sex symbol, which I think is total BS, because Terminator... She is 100% a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. And that's Terminator okay. Two. Terminator 2, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's like okay. okay. Yeah. It's okay for women to be a sex symbol. It's okay for men to be a sex symbol. That doesn't inherently make it non-feminist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, in looking through this stuff, thinking through 
Bechdel test stuff, like what these, what the story of these individuals and these characters are. Wonder Woman actually has an arc. Wonder Woman has a background. She has female characters that she talks to that build the story. And that is different than where James Cameron has gone in his films. Mm-hmm. So I wanted yeah. to present to you guys, what are the feminist or female characters or films that you feel like really exemplify that type of character arc and that type of progression mm, god well i feel like i need yeah. to see i feel like i need to see wonder woman now i mean i you wanted should. to anyway it's good it's real good chris pine uh takes a real back seat i mean <sighs> in a beautiful way because he's beautiful i, I think gail I don't know how to say her last name without sounding like an idiot. Is gorgeous. Gal Gadot. Yeah, she's real yeah. pretty. Gal, 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 Jesus. The one I'm I'm coming to, and I'm not sure. I haven't thought through this, so it's somewhat of a nascent idea. But is the character of Maeve on Westworld? However, um, mm. Maeve is driven almost entirely by motherly instincts, yeah. which is yeah. inherently like a very fem. Which is not to say that that's not anti-feminist, but. Yep. That's a very like traditional, traditional female uh, place. Yeah, I mean it, it comes from a place of like historically how we would identify what is female, what is male. Mm-hmm. Um but she she has this sort of like she takes complete control. I'm not going to spoil Westworld season 2, which is also just a disaster of a season, but uh, she kind of comes like the first thing I thought of was like Maeve because she's such a freaking badass like in the whole Mm -hmm. show and she really kind of comes into her own but she is the sideshow she is not i mean i guess i guess what's her face uh the main character i can never stand because she's evan rachel uh, woods character yeah i don't like her Um, i don't watch westworld but i don't like evan rachel woods just gonna put that out there oh uh, um she's pretty annoying in the show um cut all this um anywho (laughs) dolores (laughs) dolores would be the other i guess yeah right I so my where I immediately went for like both Bechdel test passing and like really strong female characters where the whole story arc is around the females are uh, is League of Their Own. Mm -hmm. Oh sure, duh. That one. Yeah, Uh, you know the iconic lesbian film League of Their Own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. This seems right. Typecasting. Okay. Really fits with my the persona (laughs) that we've established for me through these (laughs) podcasts. Um. But that's right, like, they have, the story there has nothing to do with the male characters, has nothing to do with men. I mean, it's it has literally do, called a league of their own. Right, it's literally, we don't need you, please leave us alone. Drunk Tom Hanks, us. go home. Just, we, we can't <laughs> hey, deal with I love you. Tom. I think that we're missing one that we often talk about, which is um, Mad Max. Yes. Oh, duh. Oh, duh, of course. <clears throat> Excellent. Um, Charlize, which I don't remember her name because I just saw this movie about four months ago for the first mm. time. Furiosa. Don't hate. Furiosa. Yes. And the entire harem of, of women. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, what was the other one that I was... Oh, um, just because I recently watched this, Hidden Figures, I would say that there is some element of, of like men in their storyline because they're trying to prove their worth in that office in the office in that setting so i guess in that sense it's not like a storyline that uh, doesn't involve men but that's just on top of my mind because mm-hmm. i just recently watched i mean it. that's the hardest part of this is trying to imagine mm-hmm. yeah a character that 
a, a woman character that you're drawn to that doesn't fit into that typecast of having a story intricately tied to some progression of a male or some male mm-hmm. archetype or some male antagonist, like it's or protagonist mm-hmm. for that matter. Like it's right. almost impossible. Yeah. The other one that I thought of, which pushback, if you don't agree, is Clueless. Which is oh, the, that's actually, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, what about Bridesmaids? Ooh. Yeah. Which are both like stories about the female friendships. And like, yes, there are, there are romantic story arcs in both of those, but the ultimate like outcome there and the ultimate story arc that you become emotionally invested in is the female friendship therein. And I think that maybe is the more like telling part of these types of movies. I love Clueless. I'm not going to push back on that. Yeah. I I I only would because Cher's pursuit is to find a suitor. Like that's the entire, but it, it, but ultimately it's about her relationship with Ty. Well, yeah, Ty, what's the actress's Dion. Dion. Dion, yeah. Yeah, Dion and Ty, like, in that trio and the dynamics within that group are really, like, the more compelling part of that movie. And I agree, like, her her drive through the movie is to find a, a partner, but the part of the movie that you remember and the part that's, like, that matters is the relationship between the women. Mm-hmm. Or Paul Rudd, because I'm a sucker. Paul Rudd doesn't age. Paul Rudd vampire. It's interesting in thinking about this. So I, as you guys know, because I sent you an email with like 400 documents because I went to graduate school and I'm a pretentious person. Um, but <laughs> I did some actual research on this topic um, using multiple databases, searching for women's studies or feminism and feminist theory and the movie Titanic. Excellent. Good uh, job, Megan. W- which was fun. Uh, but I just scraped the top of this. And I actually, I wish I could post this, but I don't think I have the access rights. But there was a pretty good article in The Nation from March 30th, 1998. So we're still kind of riding high on the Titanic blockbuster that it is. And it's an article by Katha Pollitt called Women and Children First. And there was just a, a note that I had, well, I'd sent a couple to you guys. But after I had sent this to you, I found a couple pieces. And I think one of the strongest arguments for James Cameron as a feminist, which again, I'm not completely sold on, was what one thing that Katha Pollitt said, which is this quote. This is referring to Rose. Rose does not have a violent husband, a fatal illness, a shaved head, a kidnapped child. She's not punished for being sexual, no back alley abortion, stalker, AIDS, rape. She's not a perky sidekick or a long suffering, tired looking wife. We are not asked to believe that she would find Woody Allen attractive or enjoy being a prostitute, (laughs) even for a night, end quote. So that's where we were working from, from the position of women in movies at the time, guys. Pretty solid, right? (laughs) Seems great. Woody Allen, what a solid guy. I mean, I I think that there's some truth to that, though. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily want to say, like, this is a feminist movie, because I think ultimately this is all tied up in the romance of of Rose and Jack and that makes me uncomfortable in some space but also ultimately like there is a strong female character who wields an act and acts and runs around and leaves her fiance and starts a new life and so it's hard for me to not view this as somewhat feminist yeah I agree and I think going back to like Megan your original question to me around do I still feel strongly about this movie I think I do, and I think part of it is because of that, that despite a lot of the like pushback on this movie and despite what uh, the Midnight Boys have attempted to destroy for everyone, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, ultimately, like, this, is a, this is a movie about a disaster, but it's 
also and maybe more importantly a movie about a female character who has some sort of story arc and whether or not it passes the Bechdel test whether or not she has like strong female relationships I think she is the um like thread that can that ties together the film mm-hmm. and her, it's her character development that is yes triggered by a, a romantic relationship with a man but ultimately goes beyond that and she becomes this more independent and accomplished woman because the manic pixie dream boy helped her find what was there all along or whatever yeah and i think that is like weirdly coming full circle because topless titanic i the scene when he draws her i i truly believe is that part where she's like you know what this is i am woman hear me roar like gonna do this intimate thing with this guy that i've only known for two days at this point and that is really truly where i feel like her character shifted so much that she did have a valid story arc as beyond just the rich white woman Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now here we are in minute 192 well i did have one last thought as we wrap this old boy up which we're recording way far whoops um (laughs) it's all good Claire, did you want to try to get something in about your uh, Titanic Museum moment that you had? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, so my husband and I took a very belated honeymoon, and we went Your husband. To my <laughs> husband. And we went to Ireland and went to Belfast. Who looks like Ed Sheeran, by the way. <laughs> I'm so lucky. Um, and we, so we went to Belfast, where the Titanic Museum is, Um. We did not plan our honeymoon around this podcast, but it was serendipitous. It sounds like it. Sure, okay. Sure. Sure. It's fine. It's fine. Um, So, Titanic Museum in Belfast. Anybody who has made it through 192 episodes of this podcast would find this museum at the very least, like, interesting, if not enthralling. Um, I would 100% recommend it in every capacity. I think... There were a few takeaways. One is that it is ultimately a museum where the city of Belfast is basically making the case that it is 100% not their fault that the Titanic (laughs) sank. (laughs) Like, everything in the museum is like, we did everything we could. It was fine. We built it the right way. (laughs) Um, The whole first half of the museum is like, here is how we put the rivets in. Here is how tall it was. Here is where the, like, scaffolding was. We did it by the book. They screwed it up, not us. Mm, Classic British deflection. Classic. Also fair, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Um, (laughs) Yes, also very fair. (laughs) I also found the other part of it that was fascinating to me, and I went into it kind of wondering, like, how much was this museum going to address the film and how much was it going to either credit or not credit James Cameron in this movie in terms of like the, the popularity and the impact of Titanic as a cultural icon? Because I, I guarantee that at least half of the people who go to this museum go because they have some sort of like touch point with the movie. They went out of their way to not credit James Cameron with making this really yeah so first of all the movie itself does not get referenced until like the last room kind of like the epilogue room of the exhibit Uh, get real for real and it basically says 
uh, two things. One, the film Titanic by James Cameron is fundamentally a movie about romance. Mm. Not untrue. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sure. Uh, and secondly, A Night to Remember is the most factually accurate film about the movie Titanic. <laughs> so in two, it like within six inches on one of the, you know, exhibits, it basically just owns James Cameron. So it was it was an interesting movie. That said, throughout that last room, they are blasting Celine's song. On <laughs> repeat? So on repeat, which was no. quite Oh, my God. Irritating. Could you imagine working there and just hearing that every Oh, my day? God. The, like, guard that's standing in that room must just want to oh dig their ears out with an ice pick. Awful. <laughs> That's disgusting. Um, I will say, though, that is an amazing museum. Everyone, anyone who is in Belfast ever should go to this. It is such a well-done museum. One of the parts that I found incredibly sad and really, really well done is they have a, um, like, list of the uh, messages that went back and forth between other ships in the North Atlantic and the Titanic as they came across the icebergs. Ick. Yeah. Ick, and man, the Titanic was ballsy with their unwillingness to change course. So yeah. literally like every other ship in the area, and there were three-ish, I want to say, that were within a general range of where the Titanic was. Um, obviously not close enough to help once they hit the iceberg, but very close in general. They were all sending out messages within an hour or so of the iceberg saying that they have found a field of ice, um one of them said ice report saw much heavy pack ice and great number of large icebergs uh we've got uh we're passing icebergs on a large quantity of field ice this is all within like a short period of time titanic's response is literally shut up exclamation point you are jamming my signal (laughs) i think they talked i think the guys talked about that yeah i'll just how they just did not care. They just they like didn't care. And the museum does this incredible job of kind of showing the hubris of this ship and its unwillingness, its total unwillingness to make any changes to its course based on very real evidence that they were going to man. hit an iceberg and die. Ma- modernity was hard for men, wasn't it? <laughs> White men really had it rough in the 1910s. Darn, that was hard when we figured out that we couldn't solve all the problems. Bummer. So, yeah, that's my experience at the museum. I would highly recommend it. It was great and very, very sad and very, very informative. Guys, I think we've overstayed our welcome. Perfect. Big time. We should. We deserve it. (laughs) If you want to meet us in person, guys, come to the rap party. All three um, of us idiots will be there. <laughs> All three of us will be there. I think from the day this airs, it's like four days later. <laughs> Is it really? I think so. I should probably Perfect. check Perfect. I hope you've booked your flights already because <laughs> we are already in Madison. <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin. 2018, we should say. 2018. Labor Day 2018, in, in case you didn't have any sure. family plans over Labor Day. Great job, guys. <laughs> We are currently petitioning for the Midnight Boys to wear their own shirts from titanicminute.com slash merch, I think is the URL. I don't know. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Guys, it's been fun. Um, go to titanicminute.com to 
to learn more about anything regarding this podcast. It's almost over. Oh so I swear to God, if you haven't gone to this website yet and joined Steerage, like, why why would you listen to this episode about the credits? <laughs> what a waste of your time. don't even bother signing up for a sinking feeling because there's only one more left. So screw you if you haven't signed up. Come to the rap party. <laughs> you should party. go back and read them. They are very Come good. Come to the rap party. She spent a lot of time, you guys. She spent yeah. so much time. It's unreal. Have some respect. I spent a lot of time doing more work on a man's project than the man does. Ugh, <laughs> typical. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, ev- someone else will be back tomorrow for one for a minute one ninety three. Mm-hmm. We don't know who, but someone will be. <laughs> someone will be. Thanks for having us, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.